The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak, we're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast. Joining me as usual, the inimitable, the irrepressible, G from TV. Whoa, I like that intro. <laughs> Hella dramatic. What's the- <laughs> how you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm ready to talk about the fights, but how are you? I'm. You know something. I reckon. I reckon. Um, maybe I might have overdone it at the weekend. I went down to KSW and basically I was recording behind the scenes. And um, it's just whilst uh, people can actually view the um, well, the the, uh, the the fallout from my filming um it looks as though i've got like three cameras set up and there's a team of us there's someone doing the lighting there's someone doing the sound there's someone doing the filming there's directors there's producers it's all me so i'm shattered i'm pretty knackered right now having run backwards and forwards all weekend i mean hence the reason why there's no guests this week i mean essentially what we'll be doing we'll be running down um what took place over the past weekend at the Rogers Arena, uh, Donald Cerrone taking on Justin Gaethje in the main event. We'll be looking at that. We'll also be touching on, as I already uh, mentioned, um, what went down at KSW Wembley Arena. Um, looking forward to this coming weekend where we've got Fight Night 159 taking place in Mexico City Arena. But also, um, last but by no means least, Listener mail. Yep, I got that. Mm. So, Cerrone versus Gaethje, main event. But before we even get there, mm-hmm. my takeaway, or my main, I would say, talking point, um, was the farce that happened between Todd Duffy and Jeff Hughes. You saw that, right? <laughs> I did see that. It was, it was bizarre. Once again, we had a, a Czech Congo moment, you know. Now, for me, Todd Duffy's been out there a while. And uh, it looked as though, you know, whilst things got off to quite a decent start, it looked as though, you know, he was, um, well, starting to lose pace, starting to lose, um, well, his wind. Yeah. And Jeff Hughes was making, well, rallying back, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. And that's when things took a turn for the strange. I mean, really and truly, I've never seen it that... You know, someone in the midst of, you know, battle, someone in the midst of a confrontation, someone in the midst of a fight calls for the doctor to come in. Now, that either says to me, you have got one hell of a serious injury and you have suddenly um, taken on Quincy uh, persona. I'm showing my age there. Remember Quincy? Uh, No, definitely showing your age. (laughs) (laughs) Quincy, Quincy is in the era of Columbo. Basically, he was a, a renowned uh, surgeon, but he also used to do investigative work as well because uh, there's always foul play. Anyway, so Todd Duffy was Quincy and he, uh, he suspected foul play. So he called in the doctors to, for his, a second opinion. And that's where, as I say, things took a, a turn for the uh, unusual and uh, the fight was deemed a no contest. And you know what's so funny about it is that he didn't even really seem bothered by it either. Like... It was just like, okay, cool. And he just like walks off. And, and it's like, it was very anticlimactic. But at the same time, it's exactly what you were saying. Like, sir, you were getting tired. Like you came out like a bat out of hell. You hit him a couple times. Jeff didn't go down, but you know, he fought back and you were losing gas. Your gas tank was on E and you know, he did get poked in the eye, correct? Like it did go in his eye. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, he did. But what do you think, what do you expect is going to happen when you tell a ref, um, a doctor and a referee, like, I can't see or I'm seeing, de-, he said I'm seeing double or something. What? Of course they're going to stop the fight. Like, what, what was he thinking? Unless he legitimately wanted out. And I'm starting to think he did. 
that's the vibe I got. I mean, from his whole demeanour, I mean, even just the lead up, the whole lead up was really weird as well. Oh, you press, you need to do a little bit more to promote us fighters. You need to say more positive things about us. Now, that wasn't what he said verbatim, but that was the gist. That was the flow. That was the flavour. And I was thinking, that's a really weird thing to say. So what? We are managed media now where we essentially are, you know, creating narratives for you and working for you. We are here to promote you. We are your an extension of your PR. No, I really uh, was thrown by that. And um, just the whole way that this kind of like fight between him and Hughes came to just a, a really odd end. Well, yeah, I saw that interview that you're speaking of, and it just seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder. And it also seemed like whatever experiences, Todd, you've had with the media, those are your experiences. Maybe not like tie them there you go. all together with everyone's experiences. Because I've, I've seen media cover people, you know, in, in a nice way or, you know, in a positive way, especially Ariel. You know what I mean? So um, I don't really agree with that. I think he's had some experiences and this guy was like, what, on a four-year layoff? So maybe the media had something to say about that. And, I mean, he got mm. smoked by Frank Mir. So maybe he didn't like the way that was covered or how things are said. And he just seemed to really have a chip on his shoulder. And he just had a very anticlimactic uh, welcome back to the UFC. I mean, we're not really talking about his performance. We're talking about his, um, you know, chip on his shoulder and the way he kind of um, got out of there. He hot-tailed it out of there. Oh, I can't see. And next thing you know, the fight was over. He didn't protest. He he didn't go to his corner and look upset. Nothing like that. He just kind of walked off. So yeah, that, That's what I'm saying. It looked as though he'd just given up. I mean, from the time that you saw he was running on knee, it was almost like, well, how do I get out of this one? But in my mind, I'm just like, why would you do such a thing? Like, fight camp is intense. It, it costs money. He's been on a four-year layoff. He was winning. He was just running out of gas. And at some point, you are going to sit down in between rounds and get a little break. And you, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into this. So why would you just be like, oh, I'm getting tired and I'm going to just, I want out. Like, is it fear? Is it you think you're going to get injured or... I, I just, I'm, I'm not a fighter, so I don't know what would possess someone to kind of flush their whole training camp and, and their aspirations down the toilet after four years of coming back. I mean, that's the only reason why I'm like, maybe his eye is fucked up, because think mm. about everything that I just said. Why would you just be like, I just would like it to be over now. I'm out. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not quick, you know, like when I'm on Twitter and I see people like, oh, he just wanted out. And, and sometimes even myself, I, like with Czech Congo, I definitely thought he wanted out. But it's hard for me to say that because they put so much into the fight and the training and this is their livelihood. So why the fuck? And that's you know? why I said, that's why I said it was really it's bizarre. Yeah, a bizarre yeah. end. You know, one person, though, who hasn't got any quit in him is Donald Cerrone. Now, for me, um, the only, well, from where I was sitting, the only other talking point of um, UFC Fight Night 158 was Donald Cerrone versus Justin Gaethje. Not just because I picked uh, Justin Gaethje to win and not only because um, his win actually got me out of um, 25 press-ups. But the fact (laughs) is, um, I kind of see... Donald Cerrone now as a, as a gatekeeper because he seems to be the guy. If you can get past him, a whole world of opportunities actually open up to you. And Justin Gaethje, you know, seemed to breeze past him with ease. And it's just as I said it would unfold. The pressure, the forward motion, basically the relentlessness of Justin Gaethje was just too much for Donald Cerrone and he crumbled. Oh, And, oh, yeah. you know, even when he was on almost on all fours, um, being welled upon, it was almost as though, you know, he was still ready to carry on. And I think there was a little bit of protestation um, as he was talking to the ref, but I I couldn't be sure. But, you know, that's one person who definitely doesn't know how to quit. But no, hats off to Justin Gaethje. He um, definitely pulled the trigger there and uh, continues his, um, his, his rise, obviously. Um, now on to bigger and better things. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just think that stylistically, this matchup was a nightmare for Donald Cerrone. And I think you and I predicted this fairly well. And, and most of, most people did pick Justin Gaethje online. I find that a lot of the Cerrone fans 
like the hardcore ones were like, nah, he's going to head kick him. He's going to sub him. And I'm just like, he is capable of that. Absolutely. But y'all are forgetting that your man is such a slow starter. And we saw that in the opening round. Like Justin came out and was, you know, hitting him with those leg kicks. And he had patience, he was composed, and he was, he was uh, you know, hitting the legs. And then he was setting up his offense with the leg kicks, hitting the body, and then coming up with that hard right counter. And he was also sitting on those hard counters. They were power shots, even though he was picking them precisely. And Donald couldn't handle it. And they were, they were just too hard. He was cracking them. And I remember when I was watching the fight, I even tweeted, like, these, he's not going to be able to handle these hard right hands. Like, you can't stand for too long. And, and what happened? He wilted after a while and it was shocking to see it done so quickly because Donald is such a beast and it was in the first round and then but Michael what do you think of the stoppage I saw some people believe it or not well I'll let you let you answer but I saw some people complaining that it was an early stoppage what do you think no I, I think given there was no intelligent defense given that he was almost on all fours given the fact that it was so early in the fight and those blows were coming in abundance I think that was definitely the right point at which to actually end the fight. And I, I think, you know, on reflection, um, Donald Cerrone, you know, should be thankful of the ref because it just means that he can come back and fight another day. And to be honest with you, um, that's how I see Donald Cerrone's role now. I don't really see, you know, there being any title aspirations uh, in the near future. So, you know... Just come back and do what you love doing, and that is fighting. Well, don't don't go too crazy with that, because some of our listener questions are tapped into um, USC Vancouver. So I want to, we're going to divulge into that a bit more towards the end of the show, because you know, I want to, I want to see what you're thinking for his future and Justin's future according to these questions. But yeah, I, I feel what you're saying about him somewhat being a gatekeeper. But I'll tell you this that. Donald had, has already told the media that, you know, he's not a gatekeeper. Not in those words, but he was like, he's still gunning for the title. Like, he's just looking to just fight somebody else and make his way back up, fight these fellas again and, and go after the title. He said um, he is going to be champion by the time he retires. That's what he's thinking. So that's where his his uh, state of mind is at, even though you feel like that. I love it. I love his optimism. Um, Dad Cerrone is, um, I would say, the latest incarnation of Donald Cerrone, of Cowboy Cerrone. Dad Cerrone obviously has to talk the talk in terms of inspiring, you know, um, danger. Um, But (laughs) I have to to say, uh, I'd be very surprised if we see um, Dad Cerrone in the mix. But uh, no doubt, I don't want to steal, you know, your thunder in terms of the listener questions. No doubt we'll touch upon this. Um, in the coming minutes. So, um, just before we move on, I just wanted to touch upon KSW 50. Now, as much as I love the KSW brand for the North American audience or for the American audience, full stop, um, KSW is making or has made waves over the last few years in that Their shows are bombastic. The way in which they promote their fighters, whether you're talking about the pre-fight build-up through the documentaries, which are almost cinematic um, in the way that they look, in the way that they feel, um, as well as that, making the fighters the centre, regardless of whether they're signed or not, of um, people's attention. So they'll bring them out onto a massive platform or Mm. um, they'll highlight each and every uh, fighter, um, you know, by way of, you know, introducing them to the crowd. I love the fact that, you know, there's a bombastic feel to every KSW show. But for this, supposedly their 50th show, and that's quite a milestone in terms of a number, I was a little bit, you know, underwhelmed, as it were, because when I heard... You know, first of all, they were coming to Wembley um, Arena. And when I heard that there was going to be, you know, obviously um, a big emphasis on the fact that this was their 50th show, I was really expecting the big guns, whether it be Pujanowski or I was expecting, you know, a a larger presence in terms of their talent. So, you know, I know that there were dropouts. I know that there were injuries. I know that there were changes to the card. But even in the run up to this card, I felt significantly, as I say, underwhelmed by it. And um, 
don't get me wrong. Okay. They still put on a slick product. They still put on, you know, to all intents and purposes, um, their usual flurry of um, what effectively, you know, is slick production, the way in which they actually um, show and showcase their fighters. All of that was there, but there wasn't the gravitas for me in the names that were actually present there. And again, just just to, you know, call it as it was, I was mainly backstage. I was basically recording... um, What's actually happening away from the cage, whether it be cage side or whether it be inside a cage? Because that's, I feel, where you get the real stories, right. where you get the build-up, where you get, you know, the highs and the lows, whether it's um, after they've actually come back from either winning or losing Ooh. or, you know, just the just the tense uh, atmosphere in the build-up. So you're, you're um, getting... Before they actually take... You're getting what the fans the don't case. see. That's what you're... When you're backstage. Exactly. And what... Exactly. I mean, basically, it's access to all areas. Right. Oh, that's dope. Like, what are you seeing backstage? Family, doctors, injuries? Like, what... Give us a glimpse of what do you see backstage when you're working? I mean, all of that can be actually um, taken in for uh, people's own delectation because if you head over to wotv.com it's one of the main stories up there i've put together uh i would say a quick canter through Mm. the five hours that i was there distilled into five minutes now essentially what that is is a glimpse into what you know happens backstage now there are highs because people win right. and, you know, there are lows because people lose. And one of the, um, well, one of the recurring themes, whether it be in the build-up or whether it be post-fight, was a chap called um, Tony Giles. Now, I was quite surprised to actually see him on the ca- or on the car because for me, whilst, you know, he is a larger-than-life character, whilst he is someone who... Um, has a very interesting backstory. He's a traveller. Some people might describe him, as he describes himself, as a gypsy. Tony Giles, um, his current record is six and two now. He actually tapped, what it looked like, he tapped out via um, verbal uh, verbal tappage, or verbal tap, sorry. And the way in which he described it, uh, again, is on camera for all to see. He was um, in the cage there with Damien Janikowski. Now, from what it looked like on screen, what it looked like um, cage side, from my vantage Mm -hmm. point, it looked as though there was some kind of conversation going on between the ref and Tony Giles. Now, he subsequently told me that what he was saying to the ref was, look, Damien is actually poking me in the eye. It was almost as though, you know, from what Tony was saying, that the ref was colluding with uh, Damien Janikowski, which I don't what? for a second believe. I don't believe for a second. Because the ref, um, I do believe, was not an English ref. I do believe um, that was another thing which Tony had an issue with, in that, you know, he didn't feel as though the ref was on his side. He felt as though the ref was also wrestling with him and assisting uh, Damien Janikowski by basically giving him, um, well... A, 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 um, a well, a hand in the fight, but needless to say, uh, that fight was subsequently stopped because there was this is what it appeared from where I was sitting, uh, some confusion as to what was being said. But um, that, as I mentioned, that was one of the um, main talking points of the actual uh, behind the scenes um, video. But also Norman Park, yes, Norman Park. Uh, defeated um, the Polish zombie via split decision. Now, for me, and uh, Norman will know that we have this ongoing uh, discussion, you know, he, he again, ground out a decision. And um, it looks as though, you know, Norman, you know, again, agreed on camera. This is also captured in the video. Agreed on camera that him and the Polish zombie want to actually run that back in Belfast. But... You know, there's a lot of uh, emotion, not only in the run-up to the fights, but, you know, past the fights as well. Like I say, all of which you can actually peruse, you can actually see, you can actually um, view at your own uh, leisure, 
if you visit wotv.com and check out KSW50 Submersed. Nice. I can't wait to check it out. So, um, coming up this weekend, Fight Night 159, headed by Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens. Remember, <laughs> whenever, whenever I see the name Jeremy Stevens, um, <laughs> you'll know yourself. Uh, you know, he's the guy that got buried by Conor McGregor several years back. Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. It's like people still, like, associate that with him. Like, if you mention him on Twitter, someone drops that gif or <laughs> right under your comment. Like, who the fuck is that guy? And you're just like, oh, my God. Mm. Kind of roasted him. And it, that shit was pretty funny, the timing. But, yes, yes. I can't wait for this fight. It's going to be, Yair is wild, man. Like, he is a dynamic striker. And then you got Jeremy, who's just such a hard hitter and like a vet, you know? You could just never, ever, ever count him out. So it's like, this is going to be who, tough who, who for me. Who are you going for in this, though? Oh, this is like, oh, God, this is so hard. This is almost as like the same as Nate Diaz and, and Masvidal for me. Um, I'm leaning towards Yair because I think... Um, and then I want to renege. I want to, like, go back and forth. Um, I'm leaning towards Yair, but if Jeremy gets it done, I won't be shocked. The uh, reason why I'm picking Yair is because of just, like, he's just really tough, and he's dynamic, and he comes from all different angles, and he is just, like, this new breed of a UFC fighter, and you just don't know where he's coming at with his strikes. And then he's tough as fuck, and he can pull out anything to get the win. Yeah. And that's what's so scary about him is that it's what I said. He's absolutely dynamic, and he is just... And he, he's a wonderful striker. I mean, he can get you with his foot, his ankle, his toes, his his knee. It doesn't matter. He can knock you out. Like, he's just dangerous all around, and he can move. And his cardio is pretty decent. The problem I have, though, with him is that I find that he gets hit a lot. His defense is eh, and Jeremy Stevens is a hard hitter. So I, I wonder if Jeremy can knock him out, you know. And Jeremy's not going to stop coming forward either and he's got that veteran you know octagon experience and that confidence too so it can go either way but i will put my money on yeah if we're gonna if we're gonna make bets or you know whatnot who you got now you say that you're putting your money on yeah (laughs) are you prepared to put your money where your mouth is in terms of press up challenge, I mean, you I, know, mean I, I have to say, I have to, I have to commend you on the fact that you know, you did actually step up to the plate and you did your press ups, not just um, one or two, not just in the gym, but you actually took it to the office and <laughs> did press ups in a suit. Yes, because I, that was my rest day and I was not in the gym. But it's so funny because I'm the moderator of the challenge on Twitter. People were like, ma'am, where's your video? And I'm like, oh, shit. So let me just knock these out real quick before my coworkers show up. And, yes, I was in a suit <laughs> doing my push-ups. And it was hilarious. But I got them done. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to go, if, you, if me and you want to go back at it again, you know, just let me know. You know, we can do some push-ups on your Jeremy Stevens if you like or... I don't know if you need some rest, you know, from your from your twenty push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> you know something. I mean, speaking of those push-ups, just before we go into the actual prediction, some uh, uh, some of those videos, the push-up game was strong, man. Oh yeah, there. So and then some of them were in my DMs because some people were like, "I want to, you know, play, but I don't want my face." you know, on the online, you know, so some people sent them to my um, DMs. And there was a dude in there, like, he ate his, like, he just crushed them. And I, I had to tell him, I was like, my God, like, remember the first video I posted, like, my triceps yeah. started to shake, like, I got the jiggles <laughs> towards the end. And some people just knocked them right out and just got up and was like, thanks, G, I'm ready for the next one. And I'm like, holy shit, okay, we're gonna have to step it up. But no, I had so much fun, and it's so nice to see people, like, getting along instead of arguing on Twitter, and it was just... Exactly. It is so positive and so nice. I love it. I'm going to do another one. I'm going to put it together this weekend, and then um, just change it, either burpees, chin-ups, or pull-ups, but you can choose, and we'll do the same thing. And some people even... What's so cute, Mike, is some people want to keep the same partner, and it's so funny to see them going back and forth. So I love it. I'm going to keep doing it. 
Put it this way, I, I want to call out my guy who uh, had the injury. Oh, Stuart. Now, I don't know how long he's going to be. Yeah, I don't know how long Stuart's going to be out for, but I'd like to call him out. I'd like to personally use this opportunity in this platform. I'm not going to um, take on whoever they put in front of me. I want to take on Stuart. So Stuart, if you're listening to this and you're all rested up and, um, you know, you, you, you've, uh, you, you've um, you know, overcome your injury, I'm about that life. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, Stu was talking a little shit. He put up the video. It's Stuart Campbell. I got him right here. Yep, Stu, if you're listening, Mike is ready. Okay? So we'll, we'll have to the talk to him about that. The only thing I would that. say, mm, I, I know, going back, though, to our, uh, well, me laying down the gauntlet for this card, the fact is you're going with Yara Rodriguez. Yes. I see Yara Rodriguez, you know, coming home with this because... You know, for me, having come off, you know, um, two losses, one to Jose Aldo and um, the other to Zabit Magomed uh, Sharipov, I, I, I'm not really that confident in Jeremy Stevens coming home with the win, to be honest with you. I agree. I think, like, he hits a wall when he hits, like, certain fighters. And I saw it with Jose Aldo with that um, body shot that he ripped to the yeah. body that was just drop-dead gorgeous. And then... You know, Jose Aldo is on a whole nother level himself. That's an old school guy, but he is still very, very good. But Zabit is like what I was saying about Yair, like that new school UFC, the people that are like dynamic in the craziest ways. Like Zabit's striking is superb, and then on top of it, he's pulling off submissions we've never seen before. I mean, he twisted up somebody's leg in a fight once. It looks scary. These are the new school, new era fighters, and I think Jeremy hits the, is going to hit the wall with these types. You know what I mean? And I think that's what's going to happen with Yair. But I'm just concerned with Yair's defense because Jeremy hits hard, you know. So we'll, we'll see what – and then, you know, if you think about it, Michael – the last fight with Yair, you know Korean Zombie was winning that fight if it had went to decision. Like, it was quite obvious that he was winning that fight against Yair until that elbow from hell in the last three seconds put him out. So... Oh, man. Wonderful Hell-bow fight. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wonderful fight. <laughs> elbow. Elbow from hell. Mm. Wonderful fight, but Korean Zombie was winning. So it's not like, you know, Yair you know, is untouchable. And of course, a wrestler like Frankie took him down and put him on his butt over and over again. But um, Korean Zombie came real close to winning that. So he is, you can beat him. But my money's on Yeah, I'm going to go with him. Yeah, you see, like I'm saying, I, I, I think it would be a bit disingenuous for me to pick uh, Jeremy when I haven't got um, a lot of confidence right. in him. So perhaps... This isn't the one where me and you are going to go head to head. And uh, perhaps we'll actually come back to that at a later card. But before I forget, um, you know me and being hot on the Brits and making sure that, you know, the Brits are actually represented um, on the podcast whenever, you know, they are actually on a card. And for me, um, one person who I'm going to be looking out for um, is... Paul Craig is fighting. It's Paul Craig. <laughs> Paul Craig versus Meniscus Moreira. Now, Paul, I have to say, hasn't had the best luck of late. Mm-mm. And um, I really do feel he needs to win this in order to keep his job. But it does look as though, you know, if he does drop another loss, it's not going to look too good on him. So I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Paul Craig. And, you know, really and truly... Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not really too au fait. I'm not really too uh, clued up when it comes to Viniscus uh, Marrera. Um, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Paul Craig. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest with you too. I'm not uh, too familiar with his opponent, Viniscus Murray. And if Viniscus Murray is a striker, I think Paul's in trouble, man. Like, I don't know. Um, I'm going to, even though I don't know Viniscus, I'm going to put my money on Viniscus because Paul Craig, like, he throws up these Hail Marys at the end of his fights and he wins. But, like, you, he's, he's very beatable. <laughs> that's why his, <laughs> that's, <laughs> no disrespect, just being honest. But, like, he's very beatable and he does throw Hail Marys that will get him a win here and there. But that's not always going to last in competition in the UFC. 
And let's not forget his last fight when he threw that spinning back kick three million times like he was underwater and he got yeah. caught. You know yeah. So, like, fight IQ, pulling off a, a kick that, you know, it's not your specialty. And then you kept doing it and the guy smoked you. So, I don't know. And then, the, you know, the, the submissions real late in the round, they're fun as fuck on the prelims to see him do that. But... I'll go with uh, mystery Veniscus <laughs> and, and hope, but you know, I hope Paul wins. Cause I do think his um, back is against the wall here with his job, you know? Mm, see, I hear where you're coming from. I have to say, you know, maybe we need to give, you know, Paul Craig a little bit of credit, you know, throwing up a submission in the last or the dying seconds of a round is pretty tough to do. And especially when you look at the fact that, you know, you've been taking a, a pummeling for that entire round to pull off a submission as he did, I want to say it was against uh, Magomed Anelieve, uh if I remember rightly. It was basically in the dying seconds. It was oh, like yep. a minute. No, no, sorry, a second before um, the third ended. Now, that does deserve props. Oh, Come absolutely. On yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it now. It was um, Akalev, and it was four minutes and 59 seconds in time in a submission triangle there choke. You go. That is One nuts. second left. That is, and I have, well, good news for you here, too, because obviously Craig's thing is submissions and grappling, and his opponent, yeah. I looked him up real quick, he seems to be a submission artist as well. He has... Um, Eight submissions and one um, KO. So this might be, you know what's going to happen? They're either going to cancel each other out and have some really weird sloppy kickboxing bout or they're going to grapple. So we'll see. Um, Menis- um, what's his name? Veniscus, he just actually was uh, knocked out recently by um, Eric Anders. I remember that fight. It was pretty brutal. So he's he kind of mm. has his back against the wall, too. He's got two losses in the UFC, and this is a prelim dude. So I don't know. They're going to come balls to the wall for this one. So we'll see. Hopefully it's a grappling uh, exhibition, you know. They, they're both submission artists, so that, I think that's pretty cool. Well, whatever the outcome is going to be good for us because you've got two hungry fighters there who basically want to keep their job but speaking of hungry we've got some hungry listeners who are um well pretty eager to ask some questions so should we neatly segue into listener mail yeah let's do it let's do it um let's see this is from let's keep this joe blogs 74 he says and I'll combine this question. There's actually two. Joe Blog 74 says, what do you think about um, people saying Cowboys should retire? And part two of that question is from DS um, at Stevie Sack. And he says, what do you suggest for Cerrone next? So Joe wants to know if he should retire. And Steve wants to know what do we think he should do next? Well, put it this way. I definitely don't think that he should retire. I emphatically believe that he is a gatekeeper. He's of such a stature, he's of such a a calibre in terms of um, his journey that it is almost as though you give Cerrone to someone who is either on the rise, on the come up, who needs a solid test, you know, who needs basically a resilient fighter to actually test their mettle against. So, um, I definitely don't, I, I would never ever call for a fighter to, um, you know, put his gloves in the middle of the octagon. I would never, you know, call for a fighter to retire. I would like to see um, Cerrone fight on only because, you know, from what I'm seeing, I mean, he, he, he's basically still got fight in him. But, you know, in terms of who to give him next, I mean, to be fair, basically, um, I, I really couldn't call it, to be honest with you, because I do see him as as a gatekeeper. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say the same thing. Um, I do not think Cowboy should retire. I think he has a lot of fight in him, a lot. Um, but do I think he's going to be champion? No. I think the reason why Donald is losing against Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje is because he's reached his wall when it comes to those fighters. Like, he's not beating the top 
three or five. You know what I mean? Like he's not beating the excuse me. He's not beating the top of his division. Okay, he's he's mm. stuck. He's that good. But he also doesn't need to be fighting some prelim dude who'll kill him. But I think you're right that he needs to be somewhat of a gatekeeper. I mean. I wouldn't mind seeing him, what, Paul Felder maybe, but Paul Felder's coming off a win, so maybe he doesn't, you know, want to fight Donald Cerrone, but... Paul, Paul Felder would murder him. You think so? I don't know. 100%. I think, I think that's a good matchup. Not, not a good matchup for him, but like... Uh, maybe you're right. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too excited. I just, maybe I think that would be a fun, yeah. maybe that would be a fun matchup for him. I don't know. I mean, considering what he did with Barbosa, um, considering, you know, he is coming off a win as well. Yeah. I, I, I would lean towards giving uh, Cowboy someone who's also coming off a loss. I wouldn't give him someone, you know, who's an absolute murderer. You, out there. you can't and give him Dustin put, Poirier. He's, you know, <laughs> no, he's coming I, off I, a I, loss. I, 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 no, but, but, but that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't give him, him an absolute killer. Mm. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So Paul Felder, I definitely wouldn't give him Paul Felder. But like I say, that's yeah, difficult true. one because I, I I do see him being in that role, which is essentially okay, give someone, anyone, to Cerrone who is either on the rise or on his way to a title shot. Right. Get past Cerrone, you're definitely worthy. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And yeah, and I think I just, you know, I'm looking at the rankings and I got like excited when I saw Paul Felder and I'm just like, no, 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 no. Now you've talked some sense into me. That's 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 too high. And yeah, you're right. He needs to be a gatekeeper. But I think it's absolutely ridiculous for the calls for retirement. And it gets kind of like we we all had discussions about it the day afterwards on Twitter, how it was just kind of getting annoying that people were like he needs to retire and stuff like that. And it's you need to let him decide when he wants to retire. And you know, you know something. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. You know something. I, 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 I can see why there would be calls for him to retire because he's been around for a hot minute. I mean, really and truly, he's a legend. Right. He's an institution. So you know, for a lot of people, they don't want him see, or they don't want to see him take damage. They don't want to see him continue to, you know, lose fights. I mean, to be honest with you, though, it's not as though. He's doing it in such a way that you can see him going through the motions. I think he's genuinely game. I think he's generally still got skills. I think he's generally still got passion. If he didn't have any of those, I, I would see more where people are actually coming from. Right. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's always a health concern, too. When I ask people, like, why are you saying this? It's a health concern. But me, I'm a bit jaded because I'm like, if he had one all of you would be saying he needs to, you know, keep fighting and fight Khabib and blah, blah, blah. So it's just like, I don't know. I just get a little annoyed sometimes because it's like a fighter loses one fight and it's just time for them to retire. And it's so funny, like, people will call for them to retire and the fighters just ignore them. Holly Holm has another fight coming up. Luke Rockhold hasn't said anything. You know why? He's probably going to request a fight once he healed up, you know? So it's just, it's kind of annoying to hear fans sometimes making decisions that they have no decisions to make not not that they shouldn't have an opinion but it's just like he just lost one fight to somebody that's highly ranked like you know relax but i get it you know i get it it could be a health concern but let's see you know go ahead you know i i know i've just said um maybe we give him someone uh, on the way to the title i know i've just said mm. you know i'm not really too sure who, you know, he should be given. But, you know, one name uh, w which seems to be a recurring name that comes up, you know, occasionally that? to do with uh, Cerrone, and that's McGregor. They were supposed to have done this um, several months down the line, but they couldn't actually get it nailed because, you know, it was about whether you give main or co-main status to a name like McGregor. Not only that, there's the narrative where they had not necessarily an altercation backstage, but there was sort of a, a kind of um, um, situation where, you know, there was a, a little bit of prickly heat between McGregor and, and Cerrone, Cerrone. Now, the way that I look at it, McGregor's coming off a loss. Cerrone's coming off a loss. Oh, McGregor hasn't been in there in a hot minute. Why not give him a chin-up fight? Why not give him Cerrone? Yeah, maybe so. I mean, if if Connor comes back and he's still the same fighter he was before, that's not a, you know, like, that could be a really hard 
fight for cowboy, you know, like, like, I don't know, but I don't, I don't, I'm not big into matchmaking with, if, um, McGregor nowadays, because it's like, you just never know what he's doing, but I would watch the hell out of that, and I would be very excited to watch that. I think that'd be a great, mm. great matchup, though. And I, I mean, when they were putting it together the first time, I wanted, I wanted it to, to come to fruition so bad, so when it fell through, I was blown. Exactly. Yeah, yeah me and you both. So, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah, that's good. The only, the only question over it is, you know, is Cerrone so down the pecking order when you, you know, factor in McGregor's star power? Um, would that actually factor in that matchup? But, you know, the fact is, no, I'm going to go with my original thought. And that is, you know, there's a narrative there. And I know the UFC likes stories. The UFC likes, you know, narratives. So why not? Yeah. Why not McGregor and Cerrone? And you know they want they want McGregor back in there so bad. You know that is the cash cow, the red panty man. So I don't I don't understand why it fell through the first time. I thought it was nonsense. But our next question actually piggybacks off of that. Let me hit you with it. Um, okay. It's from MMA by Milken. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, let's see. He says, should all champions headline pay per views, and if not, why? Well, put it this way, I think it'd be a little bit hypocritical of me to say um, yes, where we have, you know, um, Diaz versus Masvidal. Now, neither of them are um, title holders, but that is one compelling fight. People, you know, seem to forget that we're watching this because we want entertainment. It's not necessarily who is due, it's what is the compelling reason for me to watch this fight? The compelling reason is these two are going to lay on the line. You're talking about two stand-up fighters. You're talking about two battlers. You're talking about two brawlers. There's going to be just fireworks as soon as they hit the cage. So why not? So in answer you know, to the question, um, no, not necessarily so. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, in fact, I think that's why the Cowboy and um, Conor McGregor fight fell through. And that's why I asked this question, because from what I was reading was that it fell through because, you know, they wanted to make it. Um, they want champions to be the main bout, the main event and on pay-per-view. And Conor was not having it that he was the co-main. And he didn't he didn't want to take anything they were offering. Well, that's what I heard. And I think that's utterly ridiculous because it's like um, Connor doesn't have to be a, a champion to sell the fuck out of a pay-per-view. Can you imagine the point? There and then and then Cowboy, he has a fan base as well. Are you kidding me? That's to me. That's a super fight. So and I think and then that's not the only super fight out there. Hypothetically speaking, you give me Nick Diaz and like Bisbing, I'll pay for it. No problem. You can main event. You know what I mean? You could do some old school fights. You can people come back and then or do super fights. I'll watch them. Like, w mm. why does it have to be a champion? There's some champion fights that are kind of like boring. And, you know, you know, God forgive me or whatever fans are out there for Usman and Colby. That's a pay-per-view fight and a main event. And I'm not too thrilled about that. You know, I want to see who wins, but it's not thrilling, is it? But I'd, I'd rather see Connor and Cowboy. There you go. Just just to pick up on something which you just said there. I know it was a hypothetical situation. I know you were just joking. But you mentioned Bisping. What is this recurring story that I keep hearing and keep seeing and keep, you know, um, having to scratch my head at with, you know, this notion that Bisping um, is going to come back? Folks. Bisping is not coming back. Right. But anyway, um, what, what is this? Oh, it's what, what it is is that there are people online, especially MMA Twitter, that hoax people. And they, they are, <laughs> they are parody oh, accounts. And what no, I fell for one. Actually, someone tweeted that Bisping um, was on his podcast talking about coming back and he was looking for an opponent. And we all went into a frenzy. And then later on, we, yeah, but we fell for it. It was a hoax. Ah. And and it spreads like wildfire. Yeah, I was about to say that. All you have to do is listen to his podcast and you'll know the reason why he's not coming back. I mean, the man has one eye. <laughs> and not only that, his joints are so seized up. I mean, you know, no disrespect, but he's like the tin man right now. So this thing is not coming back, folks. And you'd, you'd know that and you'd, you'd have your, your hoaxes dispelled um, considering that, you know, the podcast were where this was supposedly um, originated from. 
he did not mention in any way, shape or form, only in jest that he'd be coming back. So I, I, I did wonder. So it's MMA Twitter's hoaxes, right? Okay. Yeah, it, it's, that's why I blocked those parody accounts because it's like I don't have time to be falling for your fake USADA announcements and whatnot, even though they're kind of funny. <laughs> like I'll, I, I do laugh. Like I'd be like, fuck. And then I go back to, you know, clucking about real stuff. But, you know, yes, that was like some online rumor. Um, next question is from a young lady named Knickknack. And she said, and she's awesome, by the way, very regal, very nice, and very smart and into MMA, and I really like following her. And her question is, Michael's like, shut up. (laughs) I'm just going on and on (laughs) about my homegirl, right? Um, She said, should people like GSP and Connor be able to come out of retirement and get immediate title shots, even if they um, vacated the belt? 100%. Look. We both know the raison d'etre of the UFC. Mm-hmm. It's to make money. Not only that, to give the fans exactly what they want. The fans speak and the UFC deliver. And I have to say that is unique to the UFC. No other sports um, or combat sports um, does that actually happen. I mean, you look at boxing. That's entirely a completely uh, different kettle of fish in terms of matchmaking and in terms of how things actually come about. You'll spend years um, asking for things as a fan and basically having your dreams crushed when they're not delivered. With the UFC, the fans speak and it's almost as though, basically, they are actually driving um, the majority of matchmaking and match-up. So... Um, I love it when that happens. I love it because it is something which is pretty unique to the UFC. Um, I feel differently. Mm. Um, I didn't like when GSP came back and he vacated the belt. You know, um, I enjoyed that he came back and gave Bisbing a thrashing. And I, I loved it. And um, I just don't think it's fair that they get to just vacate belts and get rewarded and come back and... and um, just, you know, hey, fight for the title because, you know, with GSP, I can understand a bit more. I'm biased with GSP because he's done so much for not just the sport, but he's a legend. Like this, he truly is the GOAT. No steroids and was winning, 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 winning. That is a GOAT. Clearing out divisions and winning and defending his belt over and over again. Whether you liked his style or not, he was getting it done. So him, there's some leeway, but Connor has never defended his belt. It just feels like he collects them and vacates. So for him to come back and just jump in front of somebody or to just immediately fight Khabib, even though Khabib waxes his ass, it, it, it annoys me as a purist, but I do understand that it's good for the sport. He brings fans in, and guess what, Mike? I'm going to watch because I watch anything the UFC puts together. <laughs> so, well, there you go. Yeah, so it's like I don't like it. I guess I'm triggered, but I sit down and watch, and then I go on Twitter and I talk about it and I have fun. So it is good for the sport. I don't like it, but it's good for the sport. So I'll hush up. And that's and another thing. That's another thing. Um, a lot of people don't kind of appreciate or, or, or give um, it its due attention. When things happen um, that you don't necessarily agree with, that makes it a massive talking point. And not only that, it makes it expand the topic and the conversation. Yeah. And it spills out into mainstream media because it is, you know, in certain cases, so outrageous. It is something which actually um, does... It's almost as though it's another angle, another hook by which mainstream media can actually commentate, can actually um, create narratives and um, create column inches. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it would do so much for the sport, too, you know, if, if certain people come back and just fight for the title. Like, I get it. The hysteria, the sales and everything. And, and you know, like you said, I call them casuals, but new viewers. You know what I mean? And that's always good for the sport, even, as much as, even though it makes me very cranky. You know, I'm such a purist. But, yeah, I agree. And a great question, Nick Nack. Um, do we have time for one more or are we running out of time here? We can run with two more. How about that? Um, let me see. Let's see. Joe Bloggs has another one. And it's um okay. I wanted to talk about this one because we didn't get to recap this fight. He said, Do you think Michelle Piera 
should move up to middleweight since he struggled with the weight cut and that's why he gassed. Definitely not. He's comfortable at that weight, but he didn't have the necessary personnel on hand. I mean, he was struggling because I think it was either the people or his um, team who were in charge of either his nutrition or his weight cut specifically and were having visa problems. So not only was he dealing with visa issues himself, but also he was dealing with a weight cut um, by himself as well. But you know what? I mean... (laughs) That's something which um, was a very peculiar sight to see. I love this guy. I love the <laughs> fact that, you know, he's into the whole acrobatics. He's into the, the whole um, showmanship and the whole entertainment aspect. But come on, you know that you have an issue cutting weight, but you're still expending that issue or spending, sorry, expending that aspect of your game, uh, you know, particularly gassing yourself out before you've even got inside the cage. The dance routine that he um, had on display even before he'd actually done the walkout was uh, had me guessing. Not only that, you know, you know there's an issue around your wake up, but you spend the majority of the fight running after your opponent because you want to entertain fans. Come on, my man. <laughs> um, I'm with you on, um, I mean... I'm entertained. I'm I'm with you. I, I really like this guy. He entertained me. But I do think, like, I could see him going up to middleweight. Isn't he huge? Isn't this, if it's such a rough um, weight cut, why not fight at, like, what your body is comfortable at? Like, and then, Michael, remember last episode I told you, I'm not, I've never wrestled. I don't lose weight to fight. So I don't really get, like, um cutting weight and whatnot I will say that's not my expertise but I just think I don't see why he had he has to fight at a weight where he's struggling to make weight and then he's gassing out so early wouldn't he do better at middleweight or would those guys be too big for him I think it is down to the fact that you're trying to have that competitive advantage Uh when you're cutting weight and the fact that you know you do you know, to all intents and purposes, um, not necessarily double your size, but you do gain that competitive advantage because you put that weight back on um, quite easily. And and, uh, usually it does give you that competitive advantage if you are dealing with an opponent who, you know, is walking around at a smaller weight than you. So that's the second reason why I would say he definitely should stick at that weight. But, you know, ultimately... Um, you know, he did have a lot to contend with. I don't think we'd be having this discussion if, you know, his team who were in charge of his weight cut had actually made it through, didn't have those visa issues. Because I think personally, we'd be looking at, you know, a Victor who will be, you know, praised for the fact that, you know, he entertained the fans. But the fact is he lost. So a lot of people have kind of like, you know, turned their backs on him. Not me. I, I, no, I, I haven't I, either. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him, you know. Back well, in that's. The cage. I think he's fantastic. That's, he's a breath of fresh air. Absolutely, and that's the culture. We were just talking about this with Cowboy. One loss, you need to retire. I saw a tweet saying Cowboy needs to go to Bellator. Um, one person wins, they're the goat. So that's just the culture, and I try to ignore it. But to answer the question, um, after your explanation, he probably shouldn't go up to middleweight. But I don't think he struggled because of the um, the weight cut. I think he struggled because of what you said, like. It wasn't just the, the, the dancing routine on the way to the, to the octagon. He was flipping backstage to warm up. Like I saw footage of him doing like flips in, in, <laughs> in the back. And then he did flips in the first round. He was chasing the guy. He hit the, he, he did that thing where he hits the cage and he comes at the dude straight forward. And then he tried to do a flip when the guy was on his back. And it's just like, if you have to go hard for like three rounds, why would you be flipping like that? And you're kind of big. Exactly. Like, my God. And then it got, poor baby started going for takedowns and shit just to rest <laughs> and whatnot. So I haven't turned my back on him at all. I am thoroughly entertained with the flips. I just need him to tone it down because as he goes up the food chain, he's someone like they're just going to do what Conley did is just let him gas out and beat him up. And then think about it. <laughs> Conley is he took this fight on a six day notice. He has experience, but, you know, he's not up on the food chain himself and he still beat you and you had a full camp and you just struggled with weight cut. Like, wow. Like, he's got a lot to sit back and think about. I don't mean to shit on Conley's performance at all, but 
Like he has a lot less experience than um, Michelle. And then on top of it, he barely worked out for this. It was six days notice. Michelle had a full camp and still did all this and, and looked terrible. And he has defensive holes. He was moving backwards in a straight line a lot. Some of his punches looked like they were waning. Like, he's got some work to do, but I'm not turning my back on him. I'm, I'm thoroughly entertained. And he looks happy. He looks happy in there. So that makes me happy. I like to see a fighter enjoying themselves. Remember when Cody Garbrandt was breakdancing on Dominic Cruz? Yeah. I love stuff like that. Love that. Because exactly. they're enjoying their job. It's happy. It makes me giddy. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't mind that. So it was kind of annoying again to see the haters. And you know how finicky people are, Mike. You know, you lose one, now, now they can't stand you. You win, now they love you, you know? And it's refreshing to see a, f- a fighter go in there and knowing that he's not just there to secure the victory, he's also there to secure, you know, entertainment for you. And he really went all out to secure, you know, well, try to secure both. So, you know, he, I, I think he should be commended for that. You shouldn't actually be dogging him because, you know, really and truly he did have other considerations why, um, you know, his cardio was an issue. Hey, Mike, if he had did those flips and won, they wouldn't be saying none of this shit. They'd, they'd exactly. be treating him like he was the next Jesus Christ coming from the, you know, the heavens. So mm. it's like, you know, I recognize that. I don't really pay those people no mind. And, and remember, Anderson Silva was the bomb until he played around with Chris Weidman and now everybody was pissed off at him. So it's, you know, Ooh, there you fans go. are just finicky and he'll figure it out and whatnot and he'll be fine and then Conley got that 100k and he did he did quite all right too so everybody won <laughs> if you ask me you know because guess what We're, even though he lost everybody's still talking about him in those flips so you know that's a good thing all right exactly. you said one more i'm gonna um Last one, we're going to bring up your man, Leon Edwards. This is from Mayor of Crazy Town. Shout out to you. Right, I like his name. It says, should Leon Edwards get the title shot over Kobe now that that, um, Kobe wants too much money? 150%. He has been passed over. I mean, how many times does he have to win? How many times does his name have to be put in the pot? How many times does he have to, you know, basically almost like in a in an Oliver Twist type fashion, come up to, you know, the server with, with his bowl out? I mean, he is overdue. So, yes, definitely, it's Leon's time. Yes, definitely, no more delays. Yes, definitely, title shot. Yeah, one hundred and two thousand percent for me. I mean, he been, <laughs> <laughs> he been deserved the title shot. And I remember a couple episodes ago, I was like, "They're not going to Rafael Sunsal him." And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I actually, I mean, his name's not coming up at all. Like Usman and and Colby, you know, kind of played themselves, and they're not fighting at uh, MSG. And he didn't even get Masvidal. It wasn't even like let's do a grudge match, you know, three piece and soda part two promotion Masvidal and Leon. They yeah. didn't even do that they did the bad motherfucker thing and they didn't even put him leon on the undercard they didn't even put him on the card like why not get him another win so that we can get talking about give him a chance maybe to knock somebody out or let him get another win so fans get behind him like fans like win streaks too look at tony so he was he on a 12 fight win streak granted tony's more exciting but he's still on a win streak let let leon do something here and he didn't even come up when Colby and Usman messed up the contracts, which which is very telling, and I don't know what that brother's going to have to do, but he they they might be Raphael. I call it a sun souring him. They might just steadily be ignoring him because you know Raphael the sun sow deserved that title shot too when he was on fire, and because he's just a quiet dude, nothing was said, and it was yeah. it was a shame too. I was at home like man, they just not going to give this dude a title shot. Wow. <laughs> So hopefully they don't do that to Leon, but I'm, I don't know. I'm getting a little nervous. We'll see what happens. You know, as much, though, as I do love my Jamaican brother, I think I said this in the previous podcast, I really feel that perhaps he needs to do a little bit more, not just to heighten his profile, not just to warm himself um, to spectators, to supporters, to fans, to viewers, but... I really do feel as though, you know, his management um, should be playing a part 
in his PR as well because his PR stock is low and his PR stock is low because I feel that, you know, he lacks the engagement. He has to personally go out and do something about that. Now, I'm not saying adopt a personality which he doesn't have and that is to be shit talking, to be going out there and, you know, um, talking smack. I don't really see that as Leon, but, you know, at least, you know, do a round, do a media um, whistle-stop tour, basically get your voice out there, whether it's on podcasts, whether it's on, you know, um, YouTube channels, whether it's publications, basically just go out there and shout it from the rooftops that it's about time that you weren't denied, considering that he's from the UK. Get the UK media behind yeah, him. Get people smart. talking. Yeah, that's smart. If, you know, get a nation behind you. You know, that's a great way. There you Look go. at Zang, you know. Look at Zhang, look at these up-and-comers from these countries. And even back in the day, Dan Hardy, I was like, they're rushing this guy, I think. But you know what? He's got a great look and he's got the country behind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so maybe they need to start thinking and brainstorming. How do we get him out there? What do we do? And you that's know? just it. That's just it. You know something? I know this is going to sound perhaps a little <clears throat> off the beaten track, mm-hmm. but as somebody who has come from Jamaica... One of the main talking points, or one of the um, talking points that has been in the UK for a while, is um, there was a period where there was this massive scandal, it's called the Windrush uh, scandal, where people who'd actually come over um, and they thought they had legitimate reason to stay here in this country were being forced back to um, their point of origin. Now, why haven't we heard Leon's voice on this? There are so many publications, so many papers out there who he could be telling the story that, you know, he is, you know, for all intents and purposes, someone who could be a spokesperson for that angle, a spokesperson for the fact that, you know, there's this travesty actually happening. People who have given this country um, the majority of their working lives, have paid their taxes, has a, have essentially, um, you know, broken their backs to help build this country are now being forced out. Now, I'm just thinking of the top of off the top of my head. That is one story that he could be waving the banner of. That is one story that he could be pursuing in terms of narrative to raise his stock, to get his name out there. Yeah. So, you know, if I can, you know, think of an angle, what's his management doing? What's his team doing? I really do feel there seems to be gaps in which he can actually come in and make some noise. Or how do you, some, or how do you, you know, get the Masvidal fight too? How, do, how does he, because I know Masvidal is putting his foot down like, oh, I'll fight him when I'm ready. But how does his management team cause a ruckus or noise for the fans to be like, we want to see that. Masvidal fought you, you know, in, in, backstage, on camera. What are you going to do about it? How do you get the fans to be like, now I want to see them inside the octagon too? Because why not, you know, he, I, I, he doesn't have to be a heel like Colby, but how do you, like, they should be feeding off of that hey Dana we need to fight him did you see what he did to him backstage like we you know what I mean like sell that to somebody it just seems like Leon thinks winning is just going to get it get him the shot it's not like that no more you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and 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 you've, you've hit the nail on the head his management team could be creating traction by reaching out to media, by reaching out to podcasters, by reaching out to, you know, YouTubers. I mean, who could essentially tell his story? Who? And then also look at um, Khabib has Ali. Sometimes managers are louder than the fighters. Who's the heel in his? There you he, go. Leon doesn't have to be the heel. He could have some dickhead manager kind of like. Now, I don't think Ali's a dick. Everyone hates him. But look how he's a part of the team. Like, some, he tweets for Khabib. You know him just as well as Khabib. This man doesn't fight. He manages. So where's Leon's heel? Where's the guy that's like, fuck that. I want the fight with Masvidal. And Leon's just over there shy and quiet. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, it's a, tra- it's, a, it's a tragedy, if you ask me. If he doesn't get a shot or if they just kind of bury him, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong, but understandable. Because we've just hit the nail on the head in terms of what he needs to do. I do feel as though it's awful quiet out there. It's getting quieter. He's effectively, <laughs> yeah, he's effectively been passed over because he's not making enough noise. That's the way I see it. Listen, Mike, when his name didn't come up, when that fight fell through, that's when I was like, he's in trouble. That's when I changed my mind on they are sun him. When they weren't like, what about we'll do the three-piece and soda? 
as a co-main, and then mm. we'll find something else as a main. Or they didn't. He didn't even come up, and that's when I was like, "Ooh, Leon, you better make some noise, boo boo. So <laughs> you you better do something." <laughs> you know exactly. Yeah. Well. That about wraps up this week's episode of The Wocast. You can find me on Twitter if you want to discuss any of the talking points uh, that we've actually um, been chewing over for the last hour or so. You can find me at TV, And similarly with G, you can find her on Twitter if you want to also involve her in um, discussing your opinion on anything that we've Disgusting. Your Twitter handle again, G, is G from Woe TV. Boom. Okay, until next week, make some trouble. Always, mate. See you next week. Oh. Oh.